0: Welcome to Anecdotes for Success with Matt and Paul. Storytelling is an art form emphasizing the value and learning that is created through personal experience. Our purpose is to share these stories and experiences with the listener. Everyone has a powerful testimony. Let's use them to level up to our best life with truth,
1: meaning, trade-offs, and perspective. Big shout out to Isaac Mather for the new podcast intro. You can check Isaac's music out on all socials or directly at IsaacMatherMusic.com. Okay, we have Monty on tonight. Cyri I said it correct, right? Yes, sir. Fellow educator, uh, besides five minutes ago when we met on Zoom, we've never spoken <laughs> before. And and, and I, I'm going to have you talk about yourself and, and you can start way back as far as you want to go about how you Mm -hmm. became an educator and I'm going to get into uh, some some things I know you tweet about that I love and we can talk about all things education and whichever way the wind blows us but uh, okay I love that take us away where you want to start tell us about yourself
0: well you know uh, Paul thank you for having me Um, I love to talk education so um, uh, it's it's an honor to be here and you know, as far as, uh, you know, my history with education, you know, I, I had a kiddo who just asked me this morning, like, "Sai, why'd you decide to become a teacher? And, you know, I paused for a moment and I have my pad, you know, I, I had great teachers response, yada, yada, yada. Um, but really for me, Paul, um, I, I think the reason I became an educator is because um, of what school was for me as a student. Um, and it's because I did have those great teachers um, you know I had a little bit of a rough childhood uh, you know with divorce and poverty and some other things and you know school was that place of stability and 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 safety for me and um, the longer I was in it the more I loved it and the more I began to realize that you know school was such an important part of of um, you know our, our, our kids growing up in our nation and you and I think on some level, I just, you know, never really wanted to leave, and I wanted to be a part of that, and so I became a teacher, and of course, I have to give a nod to, to Mr. Hamrick, my eighth grade uh, language arts teacher, um, you know, uh, and I shared this with the with the kiddo who asked me today, you know, like why I became a teacher, and um, the, the thing that that stood out for me for Mr. Hamrick was that he treated us like like real people. And I'm not to say that teachers don't, right? I mean, they do. But like, it was the first time I felt like we were on, on level with him a little bit. And we could talk about anything. And he related to us. And he was kind of young and cool and hip. And I thought, you know what, I think it'd be kind of cool to be a teacher. And so um, that kind of, you know, decided it for me there. And, and, and here I am 28 years later as an educator. So
1: that's awesome and it's it's the LA right English language LA,
0: yes yes yep. yeah
1: what what grade
0: uh well geez you know I started in seventh grade um, I taught seventh grade uh, my first year and then I did eighth grade for six years after that um, and then I moved up to the high school because I moved back home here um, and I've taught all grade levels primarily t- up to this year but they strive all seniors so it's kind of a new experience for me and uh gotta say you know we're a week and and a few days in here and and i'm loving working with seniors so um i think it's it's a it's a um an important stepping off point, uh, for kids into the, into the next stage of their life. I was going to say the real world, but I caught myself there because they're already in the real world. Right. So, um, you know, but it's, it's, it's an important stepping off, uh, stage, uh, for them to move into the next chapters of their lives. And I'm I'm really excited to be a part of it this year.
1: I think that's great. We have more in common. I've been teaching seniors for the last 20 years and, uh, uh, middle school, God bless you. It takes a, a,
0: a lot of energy, right? Uh, yeah they're just kids though you would do just fine Paul. you know I just I tell my high school kids the only difference between uh them and middle school kids is they're just a little taller so um
1: (laughs) I I did spend a few years coaching middle school girls basketball so uh, obviously, not the same same as the classroom but uh, I had to dial back the sarcasm a little bit yeah Uh, yeah I don't quite get it but yeah uh, yeah it was fun uh you know so like I said, we'll we'll get talking about some other things. So I have my, I have a computer over here so I can have it's. I don't have a producer. So the computer's over <laughs> here. And if you see me writing a lot, I, I don't name the podcast or a bio about the podcast till afterwards. So nice. I, I, take, I take all these notes because I don't know. We, I think we have an idea what we're going to talk about, but who knows, right? So right. I, I, first was attracted to your twitter account i forget what you call it oh right here daily discussion
0: it just showed up yes you do that every day every single day today's uh, daily discussion question was what does it mean to live a life well lived so i do that every single day um you know it's it's how we start our day and do they write it on paper or do they just discuss it with each other so our, our typical uh, approach is, um, the kids come in, uh, they have a, a, a document that they keep for the entire week and, and on there they have to respond to the daily discussion questions. So first they have to step into it on their own. And um, as I'm taking attendance, as we're getting things going, um, they write down their response. Um, after smiles and frowns, uh, then we, we, we do turn and talk. So the kids then share um, once they've had a little bit of time to process and think about it. And and then from there we we go into class conversation. Um sometimes it takes two or three minutes. Uh sometimes like today it took almost fifteen minutes. It just depends on on the discussion and, and how much enthusiasm um it, it generates.
1: What I like already about hearing that, I mean, I I read your daily discussions all the time. I think it's fantastic, but you don't technically have a timeline attached to it, do you?
0: You know, I don't. Um, and, and those who have followed me, you know, on on the board there, I give a prescribed prescribed uh, uh, um, time uh, allotment. Um, I do one minute for for the write it down, the the one minute for turn and talk, and then the three minutes for the class conversation. Because I know not everybody has either the luxury or the courage, I suppose, on some level to let it go long, despite all the content that we have to go through. So um, I think it's good for those who want to do the daily discussion, um, who need those 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 parameters. Um, but those are just very general guidelines uh, for me. And um, I just go with the flow. Um, as I said, you know, this morning's uh, or today's generated a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of uh, um interest from the kids and so we we go for it um and and i and i say sorry not sorry um to any who think that i'm not using my my class time wisely by spending it talking with kids and and listening to kids
1: i i might be putting my foot in my mouth here we look technically the same age and i'm starting my 27th year of teaching okay uh i think you've been about that long too right
0: yeah, this is my 28th year, so we're oh, okay. we're just about, about on the same page here, Paul.
1: And what's amazing, I mean, I'm sure I've had, I'm dipping into having students of students now, of course, mm-hmm. uh, or you go out to a restaurant and you see people that are, I mean, if I'm 51, the, the first students I had could be 40 or plus, yep. you know. And, oh, yeah. And yeah. no one ever talks about the curriculum that we went over in class. Uh I, I feel the stories are priceless and it always has something to do with, uh, I've had kids used to keep track of silly sayings I said, or, or rap verses or song lyrics or anything, but it's usually about something that how, made them how, how safe they felt or how they felt yeah. in the classroom. Yeah. Do you get the same type of reaction? Cause I feel you do based on what your account.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Paul, you know, um, uh, I, I sh- I'm sure you as well uh, probably follow some former students or they follow you on social media. You know, and so i I, I connect with kids, you know, now as adults on Facebook that I had you know, back in 96 and 97. Um, and so um, it's through that because a lot of times, you know, those those kids are off and they're living in different parts of the world. But because of social media, we've been able to stay connected. And And I think that that's really what makes us, you know, lifetime um, uh, teachers. You know, we're teachers for a kid's lifetime because now they they truly are able to stay connected with us. And, you know, time and time again, when kids uh, pipe in with comments, um, it's, it's never about... Oh my gosh! I'm so glad we covered this particular content in class. It's 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 almost always about how they felt um, as a human. Um, the things that they remember, you know, like you're saying, like the, the the silly sayings that we do, you know, the 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 memories, you know, most of which have had very little to do with the in the book content. All right. Now, I would argue that kids are our content, and so if if we are you know connecting with kids and those connections are continued um throughout their lifetime um as they reiterate to us when they do connect with us later on you know we're doing the right things you know i think the most you know like i i mentioned smiles and frowns just a moment ago and and maybe you know maybe you don't but i start every single period with smiles and frowns no matter what and that's just a quick go around the room kids share a smile they share a frown or importantly they pass And yes, that takes quote instructional time, but um, I tell my kids, you know, of all that we're going to learn this year, there is nothing more important than, than, than learning each other. And so um, we start with each other. We start with the humans in the room because there's nothing more important in the room than the humans. Um, I can't teach kids if I don't know kids. And I make an intentional effort every single day to know my kids through smiles and frowns. Um so, and so, I think oh go
1: go, no, ahead. go ahead go ahead. I didn't no
0: no no go ahead. I, I, I was done. So go ahead. But uh,
1: no, so the smiles and frowns, because I would have colleagues that would say that sounds so elementary or middle schoolish. Now you've been doing this with your seniors too. Oh yeah,
0: and they they sing the smiles and frowns song with me too. I can sing it for you if you want me to. It be my guest. I would love to hear so, it. So imagine if you will, a room full of seniors every day singing this song. Uh, and, 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 I'll, and I'll pay tribute to, um, to Fred Rogers because it's based on the um, uh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day for smiles and frowns. Won't you share your ups and downs? Won't you share? We all care. Won't you share your story? And we start every smiles and frowns with that. And so, yeah, I, I've heard the elementary. Um, but I tell you what, kids dig it. Kids love it. And um, they would have a, a, a revolt if I ever said, Hey guys, sorry, you know, we've got too many other important things to do. We're not doing smiles and frowns today. You know, they, they, they would revolt. Um, It it means that much to them.
1: Well, it makes you vulnerable too. I think that's very important part of being a teacher in the classroom. Like we're not all knowing, right? We're not all, I mean, we're not statues. We're not always stoic. We have our ups and downs too. And so Sharing if, if, if you can get a classroom where everybody trusts each other and you're not afraid to be vulnerable, because I would think that would be hard for some of them at first to buy into.
0: It is. It is. Um, particularly, they're looking around the room and, and you know, a yeah. lot of them, as, as you know, they don't even know each other. Right. right. Um, or they've been in classes together for four years and they don't even know each other's names. You know, and it, it's always funny to me because the kids look around the room it's like, I'm not going to share. I don't even know these people. But by the end of the year, Paul, and I and I kid you not, um, to a person, the kids will go from saying we're a class to we're a family, not just we're a community, but we're a family. You know, um, in terms of developing empathy, which I think is a, is a superhuman skill to have, you know, now mm-hmm. and later and always, I think smiles and frowns is one of the very best ways um, to, to get at that super important skill that we should all have as, as human beings, you know, you know, just for instance, for today, as far as being vulnerable, you know, my parents are getting older. My dad is in really, really bad shape right now. And this weekend took a turn for the worse. And my day now consists of going down to my parents' house at least three times a day to help get him up. So my mom can change his diaper. I mean, you know, and I, I shared that with my kids today and, you know, uh, they were so empathetic about it and so mature about it. And so like just with me in it, you know, and we're only this is the fifth day of school, you know, and so this gives me an opportunity to really show them who I am as a human. And it and it opens up the door for them to be able to show who they are as, as human beings as well.
1: Yeah. And if if you don't do it and I'm sorry to hear about your father, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's It's been a long
0: time coming, you know, it's just, you know, it sucks to get old, dude. Yeah. It's the circle of life. I mean, and, and, you know, but but even
1: sharing that to take a positive out of it, I don't mean to sound sick. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah. They kids, I bet you there's kids. Nobody talks about that aspect of life or uh, everybody, you know, especially with younger kids today, they constantly have to put their best face forward on social media. Right. They're they're afraid to show anything vulnerable. They're afraid to really talk about things that go wrong. And I I think sometimes that's where all the anxiety comes from. I'm not not a clinical psychologist. I'm not going to say depression, but but I, I think just the way I can already tell I would love your class just by the way you started out. I might drag my feet for a week, but I would sing the song eventually.
0: Well, and, and you know, and I said, uh, when I was explaining it to you, you know, uh, the thing that, that I think is really super important if people are going to do this this um, activity, and again, I call it smiles and frowns, people call it happies and crappies, roses and thorns, I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing new, right, like I didn't invent right, this, right. Um, um, but I think what's super important is that you honor the pass, right, you allow kids to pass, no pressure, I even pass sometimes, just to okay. honor, just to honor that right that we have, because again, as with most things that I do and is with all things I do in my room, I don't want kids compliance. I want kids commitment and I want them committing to smiles and frowns because they want to do smiles and frowns that they see the value in it. Not because some teacher is making them share aloud um, in class in front of their peers. And even my, my my perpetual passers, I, I've had kids who don't share once for, for the entire year. But when we talk about smiles and frowns, particularly at the end, they're always like, oh, no, you have to do it. It's super important because it's not just about sharing. It's also about listening. And they get to participate in smiles and frowns as listeners, even if they're not the ones who share. And so they, they simply pass. And the other thing that I think is super cool about smiles and frowns. And doing it the way I do it, Paul, is I get to say, I intentionally acknowledge each kid every morning by saying their name. Even my kids who I know are going to pass, I would still say, Paul, you know, and give Paul that opportunity to pass. Kids like, humans like, we like to be acknowledged. We like to hear our name. And it's beyond just like, are you here today? It's like, it's more of like, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here. You're You're a member of this community. Would you like to share anything with us?
1: there's kids that can literally go through a whole school day and no one ever actually talks to them personally right yeah, I have yeah. teachers to, and it might just take one conversation to open somebody up or to yeah. uh, you know to get them going I I want to talk about grades if that's okay yeah sure I know I know I don't want to say you're not a big proponent of grades but tell me about your philosophy your grading policies and and how you treat that. I don't want to speak for you. That's
0: why I'm going to have just leave it as an open question. Oh my gosh. We may need to do five or six episodes then Paul. Um, so I am, I, I am not a proponent of grading grades in and of themselves, you know, are a necessary evil in, in our system. Um, grading is where i i i I seem to have issues and i and i always find myself grinding on grading and and i think that the reason i like i don't wake up in the morning and say like i want to send out a bad tweet about grading today right um i wake up in the morning thinking about learning um, as a lot of teachers do as most of us do and too often paul i find that grading gets in the way of learning authentic learning in my classroom and, you know, six, well, I, I'm going to lose track here. Six or seven years ago when I started Project 180, um, it was grading that I first wanted to tackle um, because I found that it got in the way of learning. And so for that first year, I mean, this is radical and I don't recommend this to many, but, you know, the first year of Project 180, I gave my, all my kids an A for the entire year. I had handcrafted wooden A's that summer Spray painted them black. As they walked in the door on the very first day of school, I said hello and handed each of them an A. They had no idea why I was handing them an A. And then shortly after the bell had rung, we talked about the A and what that was going to mean for them for the entire year. And the reason I did that, and I told them it's your A. You get an A at the end of the, end of the year, end of the term, on your transcript no matter what. And the reason I did that is because I didn't feel like I could really dig into learning until I, I I set grades to the side. And so to do that, I gave the kids a grade and said, okay, now an A, now we have 180 days. What are we going to do? Are we going to make, go ahead. How'd they respond to that by by Um, the end of the year? Oh, by the end of the year. Um, you know, as I as I write in in, in my book, um, many of them found it to be um, one of the most remarkable learning years they'd ever experienced because they didn't have to worry about grades. And these were honors kids. So at the time I was teaching honors kids. And so, you know, they were my grade growers anyway. And, and as I started teaching honors, you know, I realized that grading got was even more in the way with our honors kids than with our, quote, regular kids, you know. And so I said, fine, we're going to take care of this. We're not going to worry about grades. Here's your A for the year. Done, settled. We have an opportunity now. We have 180 days together. Let's do something with it. Let's learn. And learn we did.
1: I, Well, you struck a chord. Well, I love that personally, but you struck a chord with the honors kids. So I teach a program called New Visions through a vocational school. I go to eight different school districts. Uh, we we don't have county school districts. There, some school districts might have as few as a thousand. And where are you
0: again, Paul? Where are you again? Remind me.
1: Upstate New York, south of okay, New York. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I go to eight different school districts. I recruit kids. And then as juniors, they apply. I interview them. I only take the top 34 kids. And they drive to my class every day. I have them either from 9 to 11 in the morning or 12 to 2 in the afternoon. Embedded in what we do, they get 19 college credits on professionalism, personal finance, public speaking. But they don't sit for that class time. It's just included in what we do. Okay. And it's the grades are the same way. There's nothing hard that we do in class. But the stuff that trips them up is in places on time knowing what dress code when we go on internships uh understanding when you write a resume i'm giving you a hundred when it's finally done but it might take you 25 times to do it like right and and honors kids especially get so caught up in perfection when you hang that grade over them they don't do as good a work as i feel they could do if you just get it out of the way and say here's your a am i wrong right 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 so so the, the grading just gets in the way. Like the fact that even in early education, we have standardized tests and all this focus on grades. And we used to have something in New York called Regents exams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we've all heard it,
0: about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when, are, when I took, ta- you guys are world famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: When I taught ninth and tenth grade social European history, which is a really tough concept to teach a ninth or tenth grader about the history of the world, right? Yet alone Yet alone their community. Everybody, kids would fail their world history classes for not having notes done. So I said, well, let's just get that out of the way. I typed up all the notes and just handed it to them. And then I left spaces for them to write down the stories that we talked about, the videos that we saw. And then when it came time to take these regents, they could tell stories and write essays and they, they'd pass right. with glowing colors. But- I love that. But what do I do? I had to do extra research because I didn't have the well, I'm dating myself, the overhead projector where you have it black and you just pull it down (laughs) one line at a time. Right. Like, what am I going to do? I just already gave them some kids are doodling, you know, some kids are highlighting words and and I'd still get the questions like, is this going to be on the test? Is this going to be on the test? And it's like, what are you what are you doing? As a society, when kids are going to school, to worry about what's going to be on a test, right? right? So, you know, I love the whole it, concept of what you're doing.
0: Yeah, and and, and I don't blame kids for for right. you know how they how they how they respond um, within within the, the the grading paradigm, if you will, because they've been conditioned, right? Um, and and it takes a long time for those of us who are trying to to um, kind of venture out and try new things to to you know, decondition or detrain those kids, you know, and unfortunately by the time, you know, like you and I are both doing seniors right now, it's just like, what do you do? Right? Like they don't, we can't send them back to kindergarten. I mean, not that I would ever do that, but it's just like, you know, it's like, so we have to uh, do the best we can in the small amount of time that we have. And I think that's true for all, all levels, Paul, um, is just, we, we can only do the best we can and really, if if we're honest about it, the very, very short amount of time that we have with our young humans, you know. How, how um, long
1: are your classes? Is it block scheduling? Um, Is it-
0: well, we, we, geez, what a nightmare it's been. So we went to kind of a, a wonky block schedule um, where we only had four periods a day, but it wasn't a modified block. And so I only had my kids for half a year. So the idea the idea was if we make the periods twice as long, you're going to cover twice the amount of content. We all know that's a bunch of BS. So so all it resulted in is my having my kids for half of a year. And you just, you know, so you take a a small amount of time and you make it even smaller. And it's just like one can only do so much, you know, and kids can only do so much. How's your
1: how's your school feel about the way you grade?
0: you know there's not been any pushback paul and and i expect there to be a ton of pushback and you know i'm not doing crazy things now right. with like giving kids an a i mean i've gone to you know i went to select and support it's an ever evolving how do i make learning better and so i know i grind on grading but i i'm always i'm always leaning towards learning like how do i make learning better and again I, I find more often than not, I really have to be intentional about how I grade kids. And, and you know, um, I expected some, uh, some pushback that first year. I kind of wanted to get jiggy with it. I mean, that's why I gave kids an A. I, I wanted that pushback because I was going to demand then that if they were going to put their nose in my grading policies, that we audit every teacher in the building. Like we look at all of their grading policies. And, you know, as well as I do. All we're going to discover there is that everybody's just making this shit up as we go. Sorry. But like we're making this up as as we go, you know, and I call it, you know, education's dark, dirty little secret that none of us really know what we're doing when it comes to grading. In college, we maybe had a, a three credit assessment course. That's about it. Um, no one handed us the manual when we walked into school the first day, we basically got into our rooms and we decided like, Oh, I guess I have to grade kids now. Hmm. How was I graded? Right. And then we typically end up grading as we were graded. Um, and then we just go, I mean, I imagine you as I, uh, have gone through the full spectrum of, you know, how to deal with late work from like no late work. Right. I'm going to teach these kids responsibility, teach them a lesson to like, okay i'm gonna take 10 percent away per day that it's late or i'm just gonna offer 50 percent. i mean like we, we mess around and mess around and mess around because we don't really know what's the best thing to do and so we just make it up as we go along and so i had gotten to the point after 20 years like i'm really gonna make this up right i'm gonna give kids an a and we're gonna explore the realm of learning and that's really where i have set my sights since then And um, I just want to learn more and more um, uh, in in the classroom. Right. That's that's where I want to be when I'm learning with my kids, doing the field work and just trying to make the adjustments. You know, I mean, that's where my whole mantra do reflect, do better comes from. It's like, you know, we're, we can only do uh so much in each day you know we have an opportunity at the end of that day to reflect on it and we have the opportunity to do better the next day and that's that's how i'm I'm, I'm kind of living my life right now and I told my seniors we're doing this not 180 days this year we're doing it one day at a time 180 times I, you struck a
1: nerve about making stuff up when I was at a just a I don't a normal high school I wasn't at a vocational school that mm-hmm. encompasses eight districts uh, I taught government economics for twelfth graders. They were two half-year courses. They took them the whole year, and they had to have them to graduate. And I got so tired at the end of the year. Even the smart students knew, or not the smart students, the ones that received better grades. You, you know, right. play the game. They Once you played turn- school well, right? Yeah, they, they'd yeah, yeah they stopped turning stuff in because they know they're gonna pass. Right? Yeah, Our, we had a service learning project with so many hours and they they wouldn't turn it in because they know even if a zero on it, they're, they're going to pass. So I started certain there were five assignments throughout the year that I, you either got 100 or a zero. But I didn't give you a zero if you didn't do it right away. You got an incomplete. Nice. And that means you now can't graduate because you have an incomplete. Uh, but you have to do it to get the zero so they just started <laughs> they just started doing the work because they're like wait now i'm doing it and i'm getting it. no you, you right now you have an incomplete if you want to do it five years from now come back and you know i just made that up as i went along and but logistically yeah. you couldn't do that with every assignment right 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 uh and now at the place i teach now i, I i've gone back and forth half credit no credit for late work right yeah. anymore i don't we have due dates and and if it's a major assignment, when they turn it in, they turn it in. And th- it's funny, the biggest pushback I get from some kids is the kids that did it on time. Yeah. They're like, well, why did they get to turn it in late? I said, yeah, but you've already done it. So what do you care? So when you were out at the basketball game tonight, they were up till one in the morning doing their assignment. They 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 traded off their time earlier than you. And again, I only have 16 17 kids in a classroom, so logistically, I can handle that versus five periods of X amount of kids, right? But, yep, I, I don't know what's better, but they do the work, and isn't that kind of what we're all about at the end of the day?
0: Yes, yes.
1: So, when you said we make stuff up, I, I think any teacher that's been around for 20 plus years has made plenty up, even if they don't oh. admit it.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, um, and I and I feel I feel badly for the, for those who are entering the profession because I wish, I wish Twitter and other things had been around so I could think about these things early in my career, not 20 years after frustrated, being frustrated. And so I worry about them, but I'm also grateful for them because I think that there are more people talking about it and it's not like you're, you're uh, worried that you're the only one who doesn't really know what you're doing. Right. Like when it comes to grading, this is like, you know, and so um, I, I hope they find some liberation, uh, you know, um, maybe some surprise because I still think they, they thought they were going to show up and we were going to hand them that this is how you teach manual um, complete with, a, a, you know, many appendices on grading, um, which is just doesn't exist. But, um, you know, they have an opportunity that we never had. And I think that's to learn early on that it's OK that we are we are all making stuff up. But as you're making stuff up, just make sure that it makes sense to you, it makes sense to your kids, it makes sense to your parents, all right? Because really, what grade should be your communication? right? Like it's, it is just yep. a form of communication. And that's why I don't even call it with parents. I don't, and with my kids, I don't call it my grade book. Yes, it's a grade book. Yes, we have an online, we use Skyward out here in Washington primarily. Um, I, I know that there are other uh, iterations of that, um, but I don't call it my grade book. I call it our learning record because it keeps record of the learning that we're doing. And I know that that sounds like, okay, it's semantics. Of course it's semantics. I want kids and parents to think about this whole experience differently you know i want them to see that it's something that they can build something they can add to it's not deficit grading it's not you get penalized if it's not in on time it's not you get penalized if on the first attempt you didn't make it um that's just not how it works or should work and so i do what i call open grading right now where essentially a kid can improve anything and everything, as long as their will is there to do it, I, I am open. I am not guarding any gates any longer when it comes to protecting grades. It, I, I look at two things when 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 um, I uh, make record of student work, completion, and that's just critical completion. That's just not like ordinary everyday practice. Like you need to, because there's a certain amount of doing required to learning, right? right? And so I do completion scores. Um, And I I do that because I want them to see if it's not done, it has, you haven't gotten the full benefit out of that yet. Right. And so I leave it wide open. If Paul didn't get it done when it was due, um, I might put in the record it's, it's somewhat complete or, or partially complete, but Paul always has the option to go back and complete that because who cares when it's done. Right. Um, I, I mean, I just want it done. Otherwise, it's not... It has no real value. If it's not... I mean, if it's valuable to do on Monday in terms of learning, why is it any less valuable to do on Thursday? It's it's more a matter of my convenience. And I learned a long time ago that teaching is an inconvenient profession. I got over that. Yep. yep. And so yep. I let my kids complete work anytime. It's an open thing. That they can always add to it. And what parents see... Either it's, it's done, it's not done, or it is done. And I only use three scores. I use a 0. 0.6, a 0. 0.7, and a 1. A 1 is done. Um, either it's complete or if I'm using it for a performance, they have satisfactorily met the criteria for, for, the, for the particular uh, priority standards or, or, or standards that we are using for that performance. Um, if it's a 0. 0.7 and it's a performance, there is feedback on the table for the kiddo. So if it's a performance, Paul, you didn't meet the standard. This is why you didn't meet the standard, and this is what you need to now do differently or better to get there. So Paul has the agency to now to go back and use that feedback from my response to his work to improve his learning. Yes, it improves his grade too, but I'm doing it so he improves his learning because there's still work on the table. There is feedback there waiting. So if your dad now, Paul, sees like, Hey, I see you've got a 0.7 in Cyrus class. That tells me that he has given you feedback that you know what you need to do to improve this. So do it kiddo. Um, and then a 0.6 is please do. So there's do there's do better and there's done because grades should be about communication sounds like you
1: don't give a ton of busy work either then. I like don't. If, I don't. If you give an assignment, it's something that you feel they can benefit from. Because that's yes. a trap for a lot of educators, I believe. Like what's yeah. a worksheet? What's a this or what's that? You know,
0: if they and this is how I do it, Paul, if they don't see how this connects to the end in some way and benefits them beyond staying busy, why give it to them in the first place? And so right. when people complain, I'm sorry, but when no, people ahead. complain about like you're, you're wasting instructional time, you're not covering enough content, how much of that content in classrooms is just busy work in the first place? And so while you're keeping your kids busy with something that you're just using to put points in the gradebook, I would rather be talking with my kids. Yep. That is why I spend the time that I do with smiles and frowns. That is why I spend the time that I do with the daily discussions. Because if we can't learn with and from each other, I'm not sure that we can live, learn to live with each other. And so at no other time in our young people's lives will they have the opportunity that they do in American public education to sit in a room full of different people from different backgrounds to learn with and from each other so that we might better live with each other. That is what I care about.
1: Right. And I can already tell, regardless of what assignment you give, it, it doesn't have to be difficult or hard to learn. Like I, 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 I pick on AP teachers a lot because let's face it, you don't know what the exam's going to be on. Right. Right. So. What the average, average, I'm not speaking for every single AP teacher, they bombard the students with assignment after assignment after assignment and show them how hard the class is and how much homework there is. So when they don't get that three, four or five on the test, hey, it's not my fault. We worked our tails off in here. Well, no, right. you bombard right. them with a lot of stuff. Some of the kids probably didn't see the relevance and might have been better off having those discussions. But I think yeah. it makes a teacher vulnerable because what will parents and school boards say? Well, gosh, the workload wasn't that difficult. How, how do smiles and frowns help a kid pass an AP test? And I, I've i kind of comparing apples and oranges with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But the discussions and meaningful debates and things you don't necessarily have to grade might tip the scales for somebody taking that exam right but yeah Yeah. it's you set yourself up by by bombarding the students with the workload and then you can tell everybody you're hard you're difficult the kids are lazy they don't like doing the work when who who wants busy work yep so i i love your aspect i want to touch base on one more thing uh okay cell phones how do you handle cell phones in the classroom?
0: Or is is it a
1: school policy or
0: no, 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 Uh, no. Thank gosh we don't have a school policy. Um, You know um, we don't. And and, and we have a new principal and I love him. Um, And there's been so much desire from the staff to go uh, to a a building wide uh, phone policy. And I was, we had him last year. It was his first year. He wasn't going to make too many waves. And I didn't really know what to expect as we came in this fall um, but he poo-pooed the, the school-wide policy almost right away. And, you know, there are a number of reasons for why he poo-pooed it. It's almost impossible to set and, and even more impossible um, to, to, um, to police, you know. And so it's an ongoing saga, Paul, um, you know. Um, but I, I, I've come to the point where they're a part of life they're going to be a part of life, they're probably going to become a greater part of our life. And so how do we learn to live with them in our lives, as children, as adults, you know, and so really this year, um, I, I, more and more, it's about how do we confront the question, how am I going to manage my phone? And so my kids and I have Lengthy discussions about that. As a matter of fact, in my classroom wall right now, there's a "please do" and a "please don't" when it comes to managing your phones. This was just a brainstorming activity that we did last week, um, and what the kids and I are doing is we're coming up with our criteria for what managing your phone looks like. Um, I, I I thought I was gonna I was gonna take a harder line, Paul, and I was gonna do a no phone zone and a manage your phone zone, right? Um, and I don't know if it's, I'm a big softy, um, but I, I, I've i kind of moved shied away from the no phone zone because I, I don't, I, I want to live in a classroom. I want to teach in a classroom. I want to learn in a classroom where we can have honest, authentic conversations about that which is not going to leave our lives anytime soon. So how do we learn to manage that? And so I, I, I uh, solicit help from the kids and, you know, I don't like to play cell phone policemen. I hate doing that. Um, I give lots and lots and lots of gentle reminders. Um, you know, our big thing this year is being present, right? Yep. And so not just a seat in the classroom, but being present, being active and attentive um, in the learning that we're doing together. And so it really is a, is a touchstone for us. It's something to go back to. It's an anchor, um, where I can ask them or not, not even ask them, but just say, Hey, this is a time that we really need to be active and attentive. We need to be present. All right. And if we're on our phones, that is not happening. You know, I model that I put my phone away. Um, and then I just give kids reminders and, and, you know, I I don't think there's a magic uh, answer out there. I just think it's like we have to learn to manage them. Um, And I think that help having the kids be a part of that conversation has been really important this year.
1: Yeah, I think that's fantastic. You know, what I find with the students, they feel like they have to respond when somebody texts them or when somebody calls them. So the first time I'll have some, I'll have some, tomorrow's our first day of classes in New York, by the way. So yeah, so we, we start a little late. So as I was prepping today. I usually have my wife or daughters call me tomorrow during class, and I'll 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 keep the notifications on so the phone rings, and the students will just be looking at me, and I'll just keep talking away, and it never fails by the third ring. Your phone's ringing. Your phone's ringing. Pick it up. Yeah. I'm like, but I'm talking to you right now. Like they'll call back. They'll leave a message. I tried. I mean, that's a stage example. I hope no students watch this podcast now, but uh, uh, we yeah. I, well, I, but it, no so then then i have an area where we start the day setting our phones but the class i teach is called innovation leadership and business and i have kids that have started their own landscaping companies and other things and they might get a call from a client during class and Who the hell am I to say you shouldn't take that call right now, right, if we're doing group work? So they always have access to them, but I try to separate them physically just a little bit, right? If somebody goes and grabs it or, you know, checks a message, there's no right way, like you said, but you can't just say, I don't think you can just say no.
0: I, I just don't think. You yeah, I, I don't either, and and I don't think parents are going to let us just say no. I mean, I <laughs> no, no. I know the
1: biggest problem. It's always mom yes. and dad texting and calling half yeah, the
0: time. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And and I know there are schools who have school wide policies, district wide policies, um, and they can have fun with that. I mean, seriously, and they can pat themselves on the back. But like, at what cost, really, is it? You know, to have to be there are other things to get to and we can manage our phones, you know, we're, we're big, big people. We can do that. And and if we start treating kids like big people, they will step up to the plate, you know? And uh, you know, and, and I don't know, Paul, I just, I I wish I knew the answer to the, to the cell phone question. Um, As I said, it's an ever evolving saga. And um, you know, we just got to learn to do the best we can with the, with the time we have. And uh, I just want kids to be present and, if they're living in the future, worrying about some notification, they're not being present, you know, and I want them to live in their life, in their moment. And, um, and and I'm just trying to to create that environment for them a little bit. So where they get to make big people's choices.
1: Being present is so important for any human being today because it's yeah. so easy to compare yourself and to see what everybody else is doing. And I yep. think it can put you in a bad place when you don't realize if you just stay in the moment, how much special is happening in your life.
0: Yeah. Right. yeah.
1: Yeah, easier. You know, listen, if there's a magic pill, we wouldn't be talking to each other. right? Yeah.
0: Now. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. But I so, but I think zero tolerance policies are not the way to go. No,
1: yeah, I agree. So explain Project 180.
0: Oh, boy, that's another five or six episodes. Yeah. I, so well, uh, we'll have you back. But OK, I w- and I would love to be back, Paul. Uh, so Project 180 uh, really was that year that I decided to give kids an A. And, you know, I had a blog. Oh. Uh, I still have a blog, uh, you know, let's change education.com. And, um, I started, I started, uh, uh journaling basically, uh, through my daily blog on how that experience was going, um, and sharing that with people. And it became year one and then it became year two. And, and, um, and so it became project 180 mostly because, you know, as, even as I put on the book, you know, um, it, it fits education in a number of ways and it fits learning in a number of ways. One, we typically have 180 days of, of school. Yep. Um, Two, and this is really where Project 180 uh, got its grounding, is, you know, if we if we uh, flip things upside down, we do a 180, right? Like, we, we've turned things 180. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, by, by approaching grading the way that I was, I was hoping to turn education upside down because if we're upside down, we got to get right side up some way. And so, um, and that's kind of where Do Reflect, Do Better came from. is like, I'm always looking for ways to turn myself upside down so I can figure out. How to get myself right side up, and, and this is where where uh, um, kind of the idea of better came from, is that you know I thought if I turned education upside down and did this for two years, you know I was going to come out of it with some wonderful data on on how to to change education. Um, and all I really discovered, uh, Paul, that was right in front of me all along was better. All I can do is better. You know, It's not about becoming great. It's not about becoming good. It's not about fixing education. It's just about an intentional effort to make education better. And that's really what Project 180 is about. You know, And like I said, I'm always leaning on learning. Like how can I figure out to make the learning experiences more meaningful and more valuable for my kids? And unfortunately, I end up grinding on grades a lot because again, going back, those tend to get in the way, and so Project One Eighty is really just about let's be um, uh, introspective and reflective about our practice. Let's be willing to step outside of our comfort zones. Let's be willing to learn and 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 use that that experience and that outcome to make our next day better. With by by full knowing that we're going to be upside down again it's just just kind of this constant motion 180 degrees at a time you know upside down getting better upside down getting better and that's really just do reflect do better and we just keep rolling and moving through um our our you know our experiences with kids you know next
1: time uh, you come on now. We have, we have to have you on again. I'll, I'll get into my yo-yo philosophy too. Cause okay. I, I I love, I'm going to, I'm going to steal the flip things upside down. and use it in the classroom in my opening talk tomorrow. Just so you know, okay. Uh, okay. I wish I love that. I, I wish we were in the same school together. I mean, this, I, I love your philosophy. I love what you're doing. It sounds like building relationships with kids trumps everything at the end of the day. That I, curriculum takes care of itself everything takes care of itself when they trust you and they
0: know you're authentic I mean, and yeah, yeah but, that's what but, that's what i got out of these 50 minutes yes and relationships aren't accidents paul you know right. they 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 as with anything important require our attention uh, require our, our our love you know and we have to nurture those things and so you know as i as i think about uh, a lot of the teachers going back tomorrow and and, and or the last week um, you know, we tend to sometimes think that that relationship building is doing a couple of icebreakers on day one or day two or, or the week. It's like it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a daily, every day, all year long effort to really connect with the kids in the classroom. And not just not just teacher to teacher, but student to yep. student or I mean, teacher to student, but also student to student. It's about creating connections in the classroom because that's where communities are, and how communities are formed, I believe.
1: And. There's no right or wrong way. There's a lot of mistakes made around along mm-hmm. the way. There's a lot of admittance to those mistakes, right? Yeah. There's, I mean, like you said, do reflect, do better.
0: That's yeah. Relationship and isn't that authentic learning? I mean, like we we you know, we we're, we're being honest with each other, you know? It's like it's messy and we're human and you know, we're going to make mistakes. Let's quit putting on errors and think that it's it's something other than what it really is and that's just humans coming together to grow. That's that's really what education is or should be
1: humans coming together to grow. I think that's a great way that's to it. end it. Uh, t- tell all the listeners your, where to find you on Twitter. Is that your biggest form of social media or do you have yes. do you have a website? Yes,
0: it yeah, it is. Um so uh Monty @monisari on Twitter. Um I do have a, a web uh, a blog uh, www.letschangeeducation.com. Um I do have a book out there. It's available on Amazon, um uh Barnes and Noble um uh through Codebreaker. Um, it's called uh, Better a Teacher's Journey, um, and so I'm not trying to make a, a, a cheap uh, a plug oh, here. Oh, please, but, do. please um, do! It really, it really does capture the the journey of the five years of, of Project One Hundred and Eighty and and beyond. So, Monty, this was great. Uh,
1: we have to have you on again because you need. To I would meet love my that. Part- You need to meet my partner Matt. He's the he's the evil business owner with all the franchises. You know, that- love it think school's for a different reason. No, I'm just joking. He's one of my students' biggest mentors and and comes in the classroom and practices what he preaches. But I, awesome. I can I can pick on him a little since he wasn't here today. So okay. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. Hey, good luck with the rest of your school year. This won't be the last time we talk. I don't know where, when, or how, but we'll we'll make it happen.
0: Okay. Thanks, Paul, for having hey. me and, and have a great first day tomorrow. Thanks, you too.